to talk about our spiritual need. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 2. Beginning at verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. And the man gave the names of all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. 
He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and you shall, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now, lest he stretch out his hand and also, and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned away every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Well, I wanted to read all that, you know, to get good context. Let's go back to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. So right there we see this serpent, which is Satan speaking through the serpent. It is Satan. He is targeting Eve in his attempt to deceive. And... um, Get them to to disobey God. And the woman said to the serpent, From the tree, the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. Right there we see Eve's innocence. She's conversing with this serpent and telling all that God had told them. And then Satan goes on to say, verse 4, And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And in all of this, Satan, he's not intervening. He doesn't say a word. He's, he's, he's there listening. But Satan right there is saying that's not true, that you won't die. He's calling God a liar. I want us to look at Hebrews 6, verse 17. In the same way God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, in order that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. We who have let, have, 
fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. And then in um, John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus uh, calls Satan the father of lies. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Wherever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So let's go back to Genesis. So Satan tells Eve, you will be like God knowing good and evil like God. Satan wants to be like God. And if you notice, Satan works in people. He's always trying to make people like him. Satan did not keep his proper place by becoming proud. He wants the same for Eve. I want to look at Ezekiel 28. And this scripture talks about the fall of Satan. Verse 14. You are the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were eternally, internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God and have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. So, in, um, he he was uh, anointed cherub, and being anointed, that he was divinely appointed by God. And a cherub is just uh, one of the supernatural beings above the order of angels. There's cherubs, seraphs, and uh, and the angels. And he was created blameless, sinless. We see that in verse 15. Until unrighteousness was found him, he sinned. Verse 17 says exactly what it was. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. So he was proud. He became proud because of his beauty, beauty that God had given him. It's ironic how often we take credit for what God does. And truly, He is the one that does all things that are good and gives us all that we have. So, another thing, uh, Satan, it does mean adversary. That name means adversary. And he is an adversary first to God. Then he's an adversary to people and to 
the angels, they didn't fall, seraphs and cherubs. Um, so he's an enemy of us all. Those that follow him unwillingly or willingly, he's their enemy too. And he's out to destroy them. And it is God's grace that restrains the uh, what he would do to any of us if he could. But God is greater as we looked at last week. All-powerful. And uh, Satan does nothing apart from what the Lord has reason for and uses. And to God be all the glory. Okay, let's go back to Genesis. I want to say this too about Satan. He is always seeking to undermine God in His order. And Satan does want us to be like Him, separated from God, rebellious towards God, proud and independent, destructive, divisive, and then reaping the consequences that come from being disobedient, rebellious, and proud. He knows. He knows, but he's out to destroy us and bring down people with him. So we need to be wise. We need to be discerning and uh, understand who truly our real enemy in this world is. It's, it is Satan working in the hearts and minds of people. That's what Paul talks about in... Uh, Ephesians 6, that our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and rulers of this world. So, so we need to, we need to recognize that, though we, I know we tend to focus on people, see them as the enemy too often, but unfortunately, a lot of it, I believe, they are being disused by the devil and upon, though they don't know. And not that we are to be obsessed about demons. That's not wise. But just to be aware. And what a true battle is, just like Paul said. That's, that's the way it is. So, uh, verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So right here, she follows Satan. She is deceived by Satan. She disobeys in eating of this forbidden fruit. She gives to... Adam, who is with her, and he eats from it as well. It doesn't say in the Bible that uh, Adam was deceived. He just disobeyed. But if you think about it, you know, you can look back and we just, and we read how he was the one that named all these creatures that came before him to see, to see if there was a suitable helpmate for him. And he didn't find one. And of course, God knew that. And he formed Eve from the rib from his body. And he said, Adam did, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. 
she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So she looked really good. She really looked good to Adam when he saw her. And he, he just had this joy in his heart. He had this somebody suitable for him. And you could just imagine the um, the intimacy that they had initially, just the perfectness. And he had this, uh, it was a very personal form. It came from his body. And so, yeah, he sinned. He did wrong. But, but it's easy to understand on the one hand, not it, that it's excused, but it's going to happen. It was going to happen. And through that, we do see the grace of God and the way He has uh, displayed it through Jesus Christ. And that we will be talking about that more later. The results of what they did was immediate. Their uh, disobedience, their sin. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loin coverings. So right off, their relationship with God was broken. They knew something was wrong. They, they were changed. Right there, they did die spiritually, just like the Lord said that they would in the day they disobeyed. Um, to die spiritually, you, your spirit doesn't die, but that means that you are separated from God. That's what being spiritually dead is. And there is a deadness towards God that everybody has, apart from the work of God correcting the situation. So, so there is a deadness that we all have before the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit working us to, to enlighten us and give us the eyes to see. We won't see without Him. It won't happen. And sin separates us from God. Sin means missing the mark, not obeying God's commandments. One act of disobedience, one sin that Adam and Eve did, separated them from God and mankind as well. We are, we are in the same boat because Adam sinned, all sinned. That's in Romans 5.12. Let's look at that. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there's consequences to what they did in there. They are so profound. One sin, one act of disobedience before a holy and righteous God. And it also affected the relationship between Adam and Eve. You know, they, they were changed. It wasn't long, you know. Well, God said to Adam, what have you done? And Adam throws Eve under the bus, saying, the woman you gave me, in effect, blaming her and blaming God for what he had done. So sin changes things.
everything that we know in life is tainted by sin, like Terry's spoken of many times, that I can't imagine life without sin, and, and we don't know what that is. Adam and Eve did before the fall. And one day we will, in heaven, if, if we are among the ones that are saved, we will know what it is to, to not know what sin is, to not be tainted by it. I want to read uh, Romans 1, starting in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God, what is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function for the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to the depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And that, that is the condition of man. He's in rebellion to God and His ways and following Satan in that rebellion. Satan does seek to make people like him. And there is this 
spiritual battle between the Lord God and Satan that's being played out. And God is victorious, has been, always and will be in the future to His glory. Let's go to Romans 5.17. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, they had a plan of course, they knew we would fall, and uh, well, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then uh, Luke nineteen ten. For the Son of Man has come to seek. And to say that which was lost. Thank God. What He's done for us is it's profound. God is holy, righteous, and just. Isaiah 6.1 In the year of King Uzziah's death, I, the Lord, sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted with the train of His robe, filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Jeremiah 9.23 speaks of his righteousness and justice. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. You know, whenever you see in the Word, Thus says the Lord. The Lord wants emphasis put on that. He's bringing your attention. This is, well, obviously all of the Word of God is His Word, but it is kind of like an explanation point of Him speaking of this. And to take note of that when you see that. So the wrath of God is upon man. Back to Romans 5. Verse 6, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. 
God will not condone sin. It is against who he is, and justice must be met. Have you ever thought, well, why doesn't God just forgive everyone? Isn't he loving? Yes, he is. John 3.16. But he is also just, and he can't violate who he is. Sin must be paid for, and it will be paid for. Somebody's paying Each of us will individually, or we're going to trust Jesus to be the one that will will bear our sins and pay for what we've done. We have all fallen short of the glory of God and sinned. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God does have another way to be just, and that is through Jesus Christ paying the price for our sins on the cross and then he attributes his righteousness to those that believe in him the gospel means good news and the gospel is who Jesus is what he has done and how we can have a relationship with him 1 John 4.10 And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. First John 2.2 2. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And propitiation means it's a sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God from sinners. Jesus is able to appease the wrath of God because he is God, the second person of the Trinity. And we'll look at John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him nothing came into being that was come into being. He's done it all. He was the creator of all. Holds all things together as we looked at last week. Jesus is sinless, and was sinless and is sinless, so he could be our substitute and pay the penalty for our sins. Look at Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He is our substitute. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also died for the sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death, in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And uh, let's look at First Peter two twenty four. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. 
Christ's righteousness has been credited to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans 3.21 For now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Jesus was raised from the dead and proving that he has power over death. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We'll go look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you received it in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as if it were to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles who am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. And truly it is by the grace of God any of us are who we are, and that that He does work in us. So, what is saving faith? Well, you must know who Jesus is who Jesus is and what he has done. You must believe all of those things about Jesus. And then the third thing, you must recognize your need for Jesus and all he has done. And you must look to Jesus, wanting and trusting in Jesus alone to pay the penalties for your sins. We have no ability to pay anything. So, so that's what you must do to have saving faith. Let's look at Mark one fourteen. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And these are Jesus' words. He is saying, repent and believe in the gospel. And repentance means to change one's mind. And as well as you must turn to God, 
that's critical. You, you must turn to God. Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. And why Jesus is saying, repent and believe in me. That's what we must do if we are to be saved. And if we don't, we will be judged as well because we didn't. He did provide the way. He did provide the way. And He is the only way. There's no other name given under heaven by which man must be saved but Jesus and Jesus alone. So, just pray. Lord God, I'm so thankful for You. All You've done, it's truly everything. We receive what You have given if we do. I pray we will. I pray that you open eyes of people, cause them to see, to believe. You draw people to yourself, and you would grant this saving faith that is so necessary. I ask that you will, in Jesus' name, Amen.